Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, House of Mystery number 161, cover date September 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Jim Mooney, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring Robbie Reed in The Mummy with Six Heads, written by Dave Wood, art by Jim Mooney, and The Martian Manhunter in The Unmasking of Marco Xavier, written by Jack Miller, art by Joe Serta. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! Wonder what you gonna do When the morning light comes shining through You thought about it all last night Until darkness turned into light a man dressed as a mummy with an elaborate headpiece mask robs a charity event. Robbie Reed goes into action using his H-dial, but he is forced to rescue a busload of trapped people, allowing the crooks to escape. Meanwhile, the Martian Manhunter assumes the form of Marco Xavier and contacts his old girlfriend Marie Foucher. Marie brings Xavier to a hidden vulture base where Abbasulkar is holding two missing scientists. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. Moses. <laughs> what? Well, you go to sleep for an hour and a half and you wake up and the whole world's turned upside down with the storming and the cyclonic winds and thunder and lightning and all. It's just like one of the plagues it's of like, Egypt. Or like an Egyptian god that controls the weather took control of everything on a did a crime spree and whatnot. Whatever they do. Well. How's your day going? Just fine. Yeah. I, I went to church this morning. Mm-hmm, me too, me too. And then I went to the nursery. Yes. Plant Did you nursery. pick out a baby? You know what the funny thing was? There was a family, uh-huh. and they were pushing a cart around uh-huh. inside the nursery. I went to Potomac Farms Nursery. Yes, of course. And there was a child that was like, I don't know what wrong was wrong with him. He wasn't sick or anything. He was just like, oh, whatever. So he's so over being there. I love he him. Was on the bottom of the cart. Like, it has two layers. The cart has two layers because you can put plants on the right. top. Mm-hmm. He was lying on the bottom of the cart, right? Mm-hmm. And so there were two cashiers there. And I leaned over to the, to the girl cashier. I said, do y'all sell kids here? And she said, what? I said, look, he's, no, he's, he's taking were... a kid to the cashier. And she goes, uh, she's like a teenager. She goes, yeah. uh-huh. the woman behind me at the cash register, she's, uh-huh. she goes, oh, I see you got our special on kids today. <sighs> Right? So there were two clever people in the store. Two clever people. So did people. you buy him? He sounds like my spirit animal. <laughs> Same energy. <laughs> Same energy. No, but I did buy um, uh, some beautiful Chia pets? Per- perennials uh-huh. that will um, become um, butterfly and, and pollinator attracting bushes. Okay. Yeah. Did yeah. you get that plant gorilla I was looking for? Uh, no. I, you know, honestly, that plant gorilla was so unimpressive. Really? Because yes. he looks pretty impressive here on the cover of House of Mystery number 161, mm-hmm. featuring Robbie Reed. The boy who could change into a thousand superheroes. The most original character in comic history. Really? The most original? And it was pretty a, original for its day. That's a pretty bold statement to make. Um, 
Of course, you know, in the 1980s, when they revived the concept of Dial H for Hero, it had two stars, Chris and Vicky. Oh. And uh, the reader, you, the reader, would submit your own superhero ideas. Oh. And send it in, and they'd turn into those superheroes, and then it would say, created by... Wow. Robert Tudor. You know Smyrna Beach, Florida, age 13. Do you know what horrible superhero I didn't like from the 1980s? Who? Manimal. He wasn't really a superhero. Well, he, he was a was crime fighter? A detective. Oh, a detective. Okay. Who just happened to turn into animals. Yes. But he didn't put on a costume and fight crime. Oh, so you're not saying he was a superhero? Because uh, I, I think I think the ability to turn into animals and fight crime is kind of the definition of a type of power that a superhero might have. Okay, but I have to push back a little because did he... Uh, was he publicly known as a person that could change into animals, or did he do it in secret? Millions of people knew his secrets. Who? Millions of people knew about his adventures. I'm not talking about the television audience. I'm talking about in Well, if we're world, not going to talk about the television audience, then who are we going to talk about? The people in world, in the animal world, who existed in his same... Uh, Oh, I think he had a female love interest, and she'd probably some. I'm, you know how those those formulaic shows were in the like nineteen Yeah, someone knew. One person knew his secret. Um, but I think to be a superhero, it has to be like the public witnesses him turning into an animal and stopping a crime. Okay, agree to disagree. Okay, well, you also think Batman has superpowers, so <laughs> you know who does have superpowers. The Lord of the Gardens, who commands a plant gorilla to destroy Hornet Man, one of the fantastic superheroes that Robbie Reed becomes in this issue. Issue. The most fantastic villain Robbie Reed has ever battled in any of his superhero forms. Meet the mummy with six heads. You want me to give you another chance? <laughs> Please. Meet the, the mummy with six heads. What were you looking at? I was on the splash page. Oh. Um, you didn't want to stop and find out how to become astronaut tough? Nope. Inside okay. and out, in double time, or it won't cost you a cent, says Ben Rebukun. Reb, Rebhun? Rebhun. Yeah, let's move on. Well, experts call him today's top bodybuilding authority. All you need is minutes a day to learn his time-tested secrets of strength. These like uh, bust exercises. You can gain up to fifty pounds of mighty muscles and lose up to fifty pounds of ugly, dangerous fat. You know, I don't think I've ever met anyone who reads comic books, who has read comic books, uh, an avid comic book reader and collector. Yeah, who has a body like that. Um, let me think. Um, nope. Uh. Oh, the, nope. Um, okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, but look at this fellow. He gained 60 pounds of shapely, mighty muscles. Before mailing the coupon, he was a 125-pound, six-foot skinny weakling. You know what this reminds me of? What? When I went to see my podiatrist about my arthritic toe and my bone spur in my toe. Mm-hmm. And he described my thigh as supple in his notes. <laughs> And what about Felipe Mendezo, who lost 30 pounds of dangerous, ugly fat and four inches off his waist? Well, he's just sucking it. Yeah. In, in the after yeah, he's picture. doing that 1960s um, muscle pose where they suck in their bellies. Um, you can get five different books, Mighty Chest, Mighty Arm, Mighty Back, Mighty Grip, and Mighty Legs. And if you want all five, uh, you get an extra booklet that tells you how to get more pep. Well, I'd like to lose 30 pounds of ugly fat. You already, you look fantastic. You've lost tons of weight. I could lose. And I found it. I could lose 15 more. Well, keep working towards it. Mm. At least you're not a mummy with six heads. I now call upon the power of Ibis-headed Thoth, <laughs> god <laughs> of the moon. Let moon rocks rain down upon my enemy, Hika. Oh, I, okay, so I always thought it was like this. Could be. Uh, we don't really have a pronunciation guide. No, I don't speak ancient Egyptian. We could benefit from it. I did look up a lot of Egyptian mythology today, though. Did you? Yes. You did homework? 
Yes, I certainly. love that you do homework. Um, Hika is uh, the magic word that he uses to activate his powers in this issue. Uh, but it's also Hika was actually a god of magic. Like oh. The, de- the personification of magic. I think maybe the writer might have done his homework too. You think? Mm-hmm. I am not... Well, I am surprised because based on my prior history reading Dial H for Hero. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, this is pretty uh, doggone accurate. This I like this. Around. I like this power that makes giant meatballs fall out of the sky. Those are meatballs. Moon rocks. Meatball, moon meatballs. Rocks. Uh, obviously, they're from the moon, and so they would be cheese. Yeah. Oh, party uh, cheese balls. Cheese balls. Okay. Rob, a mummy walks the streets. A mummy who commands the ancient Egyptian gods. A mummy who can make. Deserts move, make fiery meteors fall, make weird plants walk. Who could possibly fight such powers? Well, Moses, for one. <laughs> Moses is not a superhero. Are you kidding me? He We're talking threw... about Moses from the Bible. Yes. Who led the Egyptians into the, the freedom. Uh, parted the Red Sea with his hands, A, just like Mira. Threw his rod upon the ground and it became a serpent. B. That was all the power of God manifested through him. Well, you know what? Uh, the sun powers Superman. It's not it's his own body. It's only because he's under the sun. So. My goodness. I think you and I are going to have little arguments back and forth Do about you? what constitutes superhero. Do you? No. Uh, you would not argue that Superman's a superhero, would you? No. Of course not. Well, then you can't argue that Moses is a superhero. In fact, the Israeli superhero, the Seraph, from Super Friends magazine, he didn't be on the cartoon show, but he was in the comics. He carried Moses' staff as one of his weapons. Okay. I will concede that Moses could be a superhero. Okay. Okay. Uh, But you know who else? Can uh, possibly fight, yes. Mm -hmm. Just one person. A boy. Yes, just a boy, but a boy who also commands strange powers by simply turning a dial. Beep, boop, boop, beep. And now he commands you to read this. Robbie, mind your business. You can't command us to read anything. Commands you to read this story to see how he battles. The mummy with six heads. (laughs) Sakama G. I think I made the wrong kind of uh, sound effect. Oh, good. It should be like, try it again. Right. But, you know, you could have a push button. Well, that's what I thought he has. Because I think later on he actually pushes buttons. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Sakamajee! Fiery meteors coming down at me. (laughs) Have to try to repel them with my magnetic powers. Oh, here we go. We're going to get into this. Littleville. Remember the name of the town, Rob. Okay. For later. Littleville. 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 Implying that it's little. Right? Yes. Literally, the etymology of the word is little city, mm-hmm. Littleville. Mm-hmm. Where young Robbie Reed lives with his grandfather and Miss Millie, their housekeeper. She's sleeping with Grandpa 100%. Uh-huh. Uh, Grandpa and Miss Millie are settling down to watch the TV news special on the big movie premiere. Well, she's about to burn the hell out of his lap with that scalding <laughs> hot, hot cup of coffee. Can you see how much steam yes. it's... It's, it's letting go? It's like the uh, boiling Pacific Ocean from last week. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, Robbie's too yeah, busy. darling, take that. <laughs> uh, Robbie's too busy. He's got an experiment going on in his lab shack, so he's going to watch on the set out there. Shortly, within Robbie's lab... Oh, now we see it called a lab hut. Is lab it hut. a hut or a shack? It's a he shed. Well... Good for Littleville, because tonight the biggest names in show business are paying big money to attend the premiere of a new movie, and I do mean big money. The admission fee is $100. That's a lot in 1960s cash. Is it? Because you see, like, I Love Lucy episodes where Lucy buys a $200 hat, and it's, like, not the end of their marriage. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, $100 a person in cash. Remember cash? Cash. Dropped into the quote-unquote treasure chest. Treasure. And it all goes to charity. Dropped into the treasure chest. Suddenly, a strange figure makes an appearance. A guy dressed up as a mummy. 
wearing, He's wearing some kind of ancient Egyptian headpiece. Must be a publicity stunt for the movies. I wonder what the movie is. Mm-hmm. That would help us pin down if it was a publicity stunt or not. He wears... Maybe it's the Ten Commandments. Uh, that came out in 1959, 58, 59. Okay, so it, it might be, a, you know, a roadshow version coming through again. Uh, he wears the mask of Set, ancient god of the desert. Now his powers shall be mine. When I pronounce the magic word of the wizards, Hekah! Let the sands of the desert appear! Hekah! Now Set is not primarily the god of the desert. Is he a desert god? Well, he's the god of confusion and disorder and storms. Okay, well... So, being that we're now creating a sandstorm, that could track. And he's creating lots of confusion. Look how everybody's turning in different directions. Yes. So he raises his arms and a sandstorm appears. The whole city is being buried in sand. And... Robbie's watching this on live TV in Littleville. Yes, and he sees that as all the confusion is happening, this mummy's henchmen... Stooges. Stooges. Uh, they are stealing the treasure chest mm-hmm. full of crisp $100 bills. Robbie opens a secret compartment in the lab shack and finds the mysterious dial that can give him the powers of 1,000 superheroes. I wonder what kind of superhero I'll become this time. Maybe a superhero with the same name of a popular villain figure from the other company across town, Magneto. And as Robbie finishes dialing the decoded letters, H-E-R-O. Somehow I know I've got the powers of a super magnet. I've become Magneto. Oh, the trouble is I don't have the power to fly. Yet I've got to get into the city in seconds to stop that robbery. Hmm, that spire of the tall building, that gives me an idea. I'm trying to think if... At this, in this period, if Magneto had the power to fly, the Marvel Magneto, I don't think he did, which doesn't make sense because the Earth is surrounded by a magnetic field. You should just be able to just jump up into the air and glide on magnetic current, a la Wonder Woman, right? I dreamt recently that I could fly. And how'd it go? You know how those things go. Yeah. Very slowly. Every time I dream I can fly, it's like I have to run, 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 jump off the ground. I float like a blimp for a few <laughs> seconds and then back down and then run, 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 run. So much work. Well, I think it's, I'm not a fast runner. So I think if I could get a better, you know, head start, I could soar a little bit. But Or maybe if uh, someone who could run faster than me would just, Pull me. Well, well I was I could, thinking maybe you, like just, maybe you should just take off like a blimp and have someone underneath pulling you along. <laughs> yeah. The rope. That, to run okay, your waist. Yeah. To run your waist. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll look into that. Okay. So, Instantly, Magneto activates his power. Yes. Sending out magnetic sends waves out to the magnetic spire. magnetic waves to the top spire of the Chrysler building in Littleville. In Littleville. <laughs> um, it's the metal top of the building. So he's coasting towards the metal spire, and then he has to reverse polarity to slow down, otherwise he'll be smashed. It's a good thing that the, the thing is well-made, that the spire is well-made, and he didn't bring it to his backyard. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so the street now is completely covered in sand. Luckily, people managed to get above the sand on top of their car roofs and things, but the bandits now have some kind of uh, flying saucer. Sand. It's a sand sled. A sand sled, which was perched atop the sand on a... It, it's one of those... What were those toys where you had a, like a... You pull the... Like a rip cord and it would spin and float off the base. You had a flying toy? I didn't have any flying toys. Yeah, it was like a, a zip cord. And you pull the zip cord and it spun the propeller and it would lift off the base. Just for like five seconds and then land again, but... No, I don't. I and have lots of toys, though. I did have a lot of toys. And then there was another thing that was like a flying saucer, and it was like a gun, and you'd shoot it, and it would shoot off the end of the gun and spin and fly for a while. Hmm. That's what this reminded me of. Okay. Um, also, in my day, we had those clacker things, a rope with two balls on the end, and you would hold the rope in the middle and clack them together. A clacker thing. Clacker. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Only the balls were made of glass, so you're literally just flinging 
glass, glass balls cracking wow. together. Wow, was that before or after your mom gave you the wheel with a hoop and, and wheel? Shut up! There's nothing wrong with a hoop. <laughs> Stick. Uh, quickly, Magneto sends out magnetic waves at the metal sled and stops them in their tracks. We're going backwards! Look whoa, out! We're tipping whoa. over! Uh, so these two uh, hoods, his assistants, pull out their pistols. They're going to mm-hmm. shoot Magneto. But ha ha... <laughs> With with a wave of his fingers, he uses their their guns to hit themselves in the face. Right. Um, also, these henchmen didn't try very hard. They're just wearing regular business wear with domino masks. Domino masks. Is that what yeah. they're called? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now Magneto notices the Mummy Man has removed the ancient mask of Set and replaced his headpiece for a different one. Now he is calling upon the power of Ibis-headed Thoth, ancient god of the moon. Let moon rocks rain down upon my enemy. Hika! Thank you. (laughs) Thoth, in fact, yes, was the god of the moon, of reckoning, learning, and writing. Okay. He was held to be the inventor of writing, in fact, Mm -hmm. the creator of languages, the scribe, interpreter, and advisor of the gods, and the uh, propeller of party cheese balls upon the earth. Right. Sakama G. Now, Magneto knows that most meteors contain metal, so he simply exerts magnetic force to repel them away Mm -hmm. from him. The crooks use the opportunity to get away in their sand sled, (laughs) And Magneto's headed after them, but just then he notices a city bus completely buried in sand. Mm. So, uh, of course, he has to stop first and rescue. Somebody, help! Help us get out of here! This is, listener, very much like uh, when Link uses his magnetic powers in Breath of the Wild. It's exactly when he finds a treasure chest half buried in the ground and Uh he puts his magnet on it and it pulls and pulls and pulls and then it pops out. Like this? Yes, exactly like that. The bus is safe, and now Magneto tries to exert his power again to stop the sand sled, but he finds that his power has run out. He blew his wad. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean he can't do some footwork. Right. He hoofs it over to uh, the police. The police headquarters headquarters to do some catalog of... (laughs) To do some quick sleuth work. Um, now this is the, I do like this story very much, appearances notwithstanding, uh, but the mystery angle was very slow moving Mm. and every clue that he uncovered was very obvious, like an encyclopedia Brown story. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he finds... Or Bloodhound Gang. Yes. Mm -hmm. The, (laughs) he finds the criminal... That is wearing these different masks. It's Joe Beckett, who did five years for armed robbery. Beckett. He was released not long ago. He was a strange duck, always claiming he's the descendant of an ancient Egyptian wizard. Because, as everyone knows, genealogy records extend to the year 4000 BC. Of course. Well, the Mormons have records that go back that far, but they won't release them to us. (laughs) They won't? No. No. Why? Well, they only released them as back as far as maybe the 1600s or the, if, and, and forward, you know, but, but they have special records. My uncle, my uncle. My uncle. Did actually trace one branch of our family back to uh, Roman, not soldiers, Roman governors who were in France in uh, around the year 4 AD. Wow. Yes. Of course, it's not easily verifiable, but because mm. you never knew whose father was actually, you know, the, who was the true father of the uh, baby. Indeed. Right, right, right. Um, now, Magneto happens to have read that an Egyptian tomb was robbed recently. The tomb of a sorcerer named Beckett. Did Joe Beckett rob that tomb and find the secret of Beckett's sorcery? In fact, he did. Yes. As we'll see here in this flashback of Beckett 
robbing the tomb. Let's go into this very obvious flashback sequence. Yes, he finds a sarcophagus full of headpieces and a roll of parchment. Which is in perfectly readable shape. Yes, and explains the use of the headpieces. So he discovers that he must not only wear a headpiece, but encase himself in mummy wrappings to seal its power within his body, or the power will seep out and ebb away. (laughs) Great wealth will soon be mine. So you have a choice here, Joe. You could use these headpieces to rob banks and charity functions Uh for the rest of your life, or you could just alert the authorities to the existence of this tomb and uh, probably earn a pretty penny just by doing the right thing. This is a perfectly preserved Egyptian tomb. Perfectly preserved. I hadn't thought of that. So preserved that you can still unroll the parchment and read it. Incredible find. Now, uh, Magneto, again, we're in the town of Littleville, Mm -hmm. which has its own passport bureau where Magneto has gone to find out if a passport was issued to a certain Mr. Joe Beckett. By the way, did you notice that the uh, secretary just says, oh, you must be the superhero who saved that busload of people. I was just reading about you. You're wonderful. Reading about him on what? The evening edition of the newspaper? Well, that could be. When I was growing up, our town had... Uh, morning and evening newspapers. You grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. This is Littleville, mm-hmm. which has a passport bureau, <laughs> a theater that houses world premieres. Yes. Okay. And as we'll see in a moment, uh, a port. Oh, you're right. Okay. So, Fair enough. Yes. Uh, the bigger problem is that she's at work. She shouldn't be reading. She should be doing, attending to her duties at the Passport Bureau. She well, must maybe, be very busy. Well, maybe she was on her coffee break. Also, she Enjoying should... Enjoying some Maxwell House decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> she should review the rules regarding PII. That's personally identifiable information. Okay. Because she's just going to say, yes, there is a passport for Joe Beckett, and here's his home address. <laughs> there you go, Magneto. Nice mask. Magneto heads to the home address of Joe Beckett where the landlady tells him that he moved out two days ago, but she hasn't cleaned the room yet. <laughs> well, she has no need to. I guess not. She must not have, be a very popular boarding house. Uh, so he's looking for clues. He's, well, there are cracks in the wall. Look, there, yeah. yeah, he walks in, there's cracks in the plaster. He notices thumbtacks on the wall. Mm-hmm. So something must have been there that was so valuable to Joe Beckett that he had to take it with him when he moved. Mm-hmm. And... Shining the ordinary desk lamp. I call on the bullshit wall. on this thing. What? The light reveals three X impressions on the wall. Beckett must have marked something he had tacked up and then left indentations on the soft plasterboard wall. No, he did not use a writing instrument on the thing, on whatever uh, thing he had tacked up to the wall, which of course would be sort of some sort of map or whatever. Mm-hmm. That a writing instrument that left X marks on the wall in the soft plaster. This room does not have soft plaster because it's flaking off the walls. It has hard plaster. He, the only way he could have left X's that could be seen with a lamp would be if he took an ink pen in his hand like this and went, which would have mean he would rip whatever it was that he was drawing upon. And would probably also be visible without a lamp. Yeah, the ink would have come through. Well, a further search reveals a drawer full of uh, miniatures of famous paintings. Painting cards. Now, my father (laughs) had a drawer, and it had a little box inside of playing cards, but they were titled Art Studies. Well, they were nudies. They sure were. Nude women, not completely nude. It was the... From the 50s. So yeah. it was like Betty Page, topless sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And they were ugly women. Not pretty. Actually, I think Betty Page was in there, and she's pretty, but most of the she, women she like, stood out from the crowd. Yeah. I remember one of the women that, that in, that, in that deck of cards looked like my co-worker, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and you may be wondering, listener, why Dr. Husband has seen this since it's an item from my childhood. 
Well, I'll tell you. I was describing it to him one day. Mm-hmm. And soon after that, he happened to walk into a secondhand shop. Oh, yeah, he was, I was out, out of town on a business trip. And he just walked into this place and he said, would you happen to have any nudie playing cards from the 1950s? Uh-huh. And they did. Uh-huh. And he bought it. And it was it the exact same deck of cards. <laughs> Miraculous. It was a miracle gift. I was, I mean... I was so happy to have found it. I was so, so happy to have found that and given it to you. What uh, a peculiar thing from your childhood. I'll say. Um, now, these cards, however, are legitimate miniatures of famous paintings, but only one of them, a Rembrandt, has a circle of ink drawn around it. Right. Why clue. Sh- like like when you when you, you draw it, like, this is a clue! Like what? Well, first of all, I just... If I'd have seen this, I'd assumed that he put his coffee cup down on top of it or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for the investigation to end. It's time for Robbie to change back to Robbie and get back home. But that night, sleep does not come easily. Isn't the- sleep a miracle thing? <laughs> sleep, why dost thou leave, Robbie Reed? Uh, Robbie's subconscious releases a thought buried in his memory as he's sleeping. And now he remembers. A priceless Rembrandt is coming from Europe on loan to the City Museum of Littleville. It's being shipped by freighters, and that freighter is docking Docking in Littleville. In Littleville at the port. At dawn. sock a gee it's dawn now. I slept all night. So he dials H for hero and becomes Hornet Hornet Man. Man. Wings and everything. Wow. These, I like this costume a lot. Me too. Uh, except for the wings look like they're just made of gossamer. Well, hornets do have uh, wings that look like that. Well, yes, but they have a sh- defined shape. These are just flopping around behind him. That's because they're in motion. Anyway, as the freighter bearing its precious cargo nears port, a colossal arm of water is lifting the ship right out of the water. Mm-hmm. Well, it's our old friend Joe Beckett using the power of Knum, ancient god of the waters. Uh, also, the ancient Egyptian god of fertility, associated oh. with water and with procreation. Knum mm. was worshipped from the first dynasty into the early centuries of the common era, represented as a ram with horizontal twisting horns. Or as a man with a ram's head. So that checks out, see? Everything is kosher so far. Uh, He flings the ship down upon the dock. The freighter guards are unable to resist the bandits who get the crate containing the Rembrandt and beat it into their sporty convertible. Mm -hmm. Well, here comes Hornet Man. Look, now look at the wings. They look like bird wings. They kind of do, yeah. He looks like an angel. Well, Um, angel wings. Trying to elude their winged pursuer, the bandits careen through a park. Littleville City Park. Mm -hmm. Um, Hornet Man has uh, stingers on the end of his index fingers. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I would have thought a stinger would have been someplace else. Well, in a traditional Hornet Man, yes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But this is uh, a Dial H for Hero Hornet Man. And okay. so there can't be... Uh, well, that's not true. I was going to say it couldn't be uh, too much physical distortion, but he did become a human starfish a couple of issues ago. <laughs> so ah! uh, Joe Beckett loses his headpiece, and the... Third, that is a valuable Egyptian headpiece with superpowers. It's yeah. probably more valuable than a Rembrandt painting, mm-hmm. Joe. Uh, the third bandit hops out of the car because he quits. I quit. Uh, now, Joe Beckett is not without resources. He's got another headpiece in the trunk of the car. And uh, that contains the power of the asp-headed Rano, ancient god of gardens. And that's literally what Wikipedia said. What? Ancient god of gardens represented by an asp. <laughs> okay. Um, now, 
At my command, let fantastic plants appear to defeat my enemy. So we've got uh, a, a plant, a scissors plant, yeah. a triceratops plant, a hammerhead plant. So a couple garden. Uh, like topiaries that's come to life yes. here. Yes, I mean a couple of tools. Yeah. yeah. And uh, before Hornet Man can soar off, because of course his stingers have no power. My stinger has no effect. But I wonder if he could pollinate one of them. Uh, he's gripped tightly from behind by a plant ape. A plant ape. Uh, a plant ape. Well, actually, it's a gorilla-like plant. Plant, yes. So he can't get free. He's being crushed desperately. He tries a surprise maneuver with his wings. Because wings are much more powerful than his arms and legs. Yeah, but that doesn't pan out. The gorilla uh, holds on. He's He wheels and dives through the sky. The gorilla is grasping him about the waist. Mm-hmm. He's got one chance. This is clever, actually. Uh, drive, uh, diving through the crotch of George Washington. Diving through the legs, <laughs> shoulder width apart legs of the statue of George Washington there in the Littleville silly part, City Park. Sorry. Well, silly also. Mm-hmm. Uh and he, Hornet Man, can fit through the legs, but Plant Gorilla cannot. Ha ha. Now, Beckett... This is weird. What? So Beckett sneak, snuck away. Snuck away, yes. Yeah. He took the other headpiece, but couldn't lug the big crated painting along. Right. He left the, the Rembrandt in the back of the car, but took the, the headpieces. Well, yeah, what does he care? He can use the headpieces to commit more crime. Well, it was his treasure that he was using to amass his fortune. Right. Well, he's got to keep those headpieces or he's sunk. Uh, luckily, when Beckett leaves, the plant creatures shrink back down to their original size and Robbie Reed is free to dial back to Robbie and go to skill with his chums, Bart and Joey. O-R-E-H. Um, now, Bart and Joey are very excited about the news of these superheroes. As you recall, I believe Bart and Joey have a little club there in the lab shack where they collect baseball card pictures of the all the new superheroes in Littleville. <laughs> um, Gosh, I wonder what kind of superhero will show up next, Bart or Joey says. I can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, in class, uh, the teacher is having them study the fair city of Littleville and all of their landmarks. <laughs> Sock-a-ma-gee! The Tivoli Theater and Pier 3 are in the exact position of two of those X impressions that Robbie saw on the wall earlier. In Beckett's room. Sure, that's it. He must have had a map tacked on the wall of exactly this size that we're having in the classroom right now. Exactly. It's probably the same manufacturer of the map. And of course... He used, since those other two marks indicate the two places Beckett already robbed, the third X must mean another robbery spot, the jewel exchange. So I was right. Those X's that were so deeply embedded in the plaster of the wall were absolutely coming from him writing on the map. Yes. Also, in other news, Littleville has a jewel exchange. A port. A port. A Chrysler building. A world premiere theater. Yes, movies that movie stars come to. Yes. Uh, What am I forgetting? The Passport Bureau. And a newspaper that prints twice a day. Yes. Oh, Uh, we don't know. More than one newspaper. Yeah, it could be uh, like the Littleville Citizen Journal in the morning. That's the Democratic paper. They have peanuts. And then uh, the Littleville Dispatch in the evening, and they've got Ann Landers. Well, I think Littleville is a misnomer for this place. Perhaps it was named Littleville when it was indeed Little. Well, maybe it was named after Mr. Little. Or <gasps> yes, Jacob B. Little. Jacob B. Little, mm-hmm. who was a contemporary of George Washington. And that's why there's a statue of his great friend, George Washington, in the Littleville With his City Park. Manly stance. <laughs> Not so manly, just shoulder width apart. So, well, okay, I guess if you're flying at a really fast speed and you've got a gorilla uh, tree attached to your legs... I'm sure you could judge that really easily and fly right through his legs. Uh, Suddenly, Robbie develops a headache. I've got a sick headache. (laughs) Miss Benson, may I be excused? 
Of course he may. He's a good student. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need a pass or anything. Of course, Robbie. Shortly, hidden within his lab shack, Robbie once again dials H for hero and is again transformed into... Shadowman. A shadowman. Shadowman. Yeah, what's... What's his power? Besides being able to escape into the shadows. I think he's just like a living shadow. He's probably absorbs light, so he's hard to see. Okay. He, uh, we see in a minute that he's heat resistant because shadows, as everyone knows, are several degrees cooler than the surrounding. Only slightly cooler. (laughs) (laughs) I really dug this appearance of Shadow Man. It's just a solid black figure with a fedora and a cape. And a, presumably a business suit of some kind. But it's can just Robbie, solid black. Can Robbie call up these characters more than once? Or there's always different uh, superheroes each time? If you recall uh, the last issue that we saw, he did, yes, become... Uh, I can't remember if it was Giant Boy or King Candy. One of those two he had become before. Okay. And he also became Plastic Man. Oh. Who was a pre-existing superhero? Okay, okay. So the answer is yes, but to my knowledge, that's only happened that one time. And he has no control, whoever he no. becomes. You know? No. Mm-hmm. Um, now Joe Beckett is underground in the oh yes, in the Littleville subway. Wow, this is a pretty impressive city. Which is the subway system is big enough that they have an abandoned subway. Side siding. Yes, yeah, so it's it's long established subway. Yes. Um he's calling up the power of the jackal headed <laughs> jackal is spelled incorrectly. Uh jackal headed Anubis, ancient god of the underworld. Here, underground, I command that subway car to fly and crash through that stone wall. Once again the awesome sorcery of the ancients display displays its power. Because that wall that they just smashed open leads to the basement vault of the Jewel Exchange. He is so clever. Too bad Shadow Man is there. He Mm -hmm. starts punching. Huh? What hit me? All I see is the shadow. Uh, And of course the boss takes off. Yes. That's what he does. He's going to exchange headpieces. Because he's got a perfect headpiece to fight a Shadow Man. Switching to the headpiece of Ra, the hawk-headed sun god. What kind of powers do you think he has? I, I, well, I, I know that he can shoot flame because he's a sun god. Yeah. Yeah. Now I invoke the fiery power of Ra. Hekka! Ha ha! Saka that ray of flame almost singed me. A shadowman almost <laughs> singed me. Am I real? <laughs> Now, Shadowman uh, realizes he can't fight the mighty power of light, so he takes off down a back alley. A dead-end alley, as Joe Beckett knows from his life of crime in the city. Uh, So he sees Shadowman's cape fluttering from behind a telephone pole and sends a lance of fire at the pole. Farewell, superhero. You have indeed reached a dead end. (laughs) And at the bottom of the page, is this the last of the superheroes? Will Robbie Reed ever dial H for hero again? Well, let's just turn one page and find out. Unexpectedly, a shadowy figure detaches itself from the alley's camouflaging blackness. Sure, I just baited you into this alley and hung my cape on that pole to get you where I want you. How how can you even touch my fiery body? You forget, I'm a shadowman, and shadows are always many degrees cooler than anything around it. Now I'm going to demummify you. Then he spins him around. Spin! I wish we could see that in motion. Me too. He just grabs a bandage and starts spinning the mummy Uh, bandage. A shadowman would be incredibly powerful to do that, to actually spin a person in place by just pulling a bandage. Well, uh, he is a superhero after all. (laughs) We don't have any indication of his strength level. Mm. Um, Robbie figured out that the reason for the bandages was to contain the power inside Joe Beckett's body. Well, don't worry. You'll be sealed up again behind prison bars. (laughs) (laughs) Later at the school. Robbie, you're back. Are you feeling better? Yes, ma'am. 
I felt as if I had six headaches before, but they're all gone now. (laughs) (laughs) The end. I think he better have that checked out. What he's describing is probably mini strokes. You know he was faking, right? Yes, but don't you think his teacher would be like, six, if he said six headaches, she might go, Robbie, I I think perhaps you should go to the nurse and, and then perhaps the neurologist. Did you have a school nurse? Yes. So did we, and she wore the paper hat and everything. Oh, I don't think Legit. our wore a paper hat. Um, and she performed, she was about 18 feet tall. Um, she performed every year in the Vaudevillities, which was Columbus, Ohio's premier vaudeville community theater. Production. I am sitting here mouth <laughs> agape. Why? Like, you lived such a charmed childhood. You actually had something called the Vaudevillities. Yes. Now I never attended nor performed in it. Oh. Despite my long history of vaudeville experience, but. Uh, <laughs> And actually, I may be confusing. It may not have been the school nurse that did vaudevillities. It might have, might have been another tall female teacher. <laughs> oh, so you mean she might, she might just as well have been a dwarf as she was 18 feet tall? No, I mean, the, definitely the person I'm thinking of was very noticeably tall for a woman. Okay. Um, and fabulous. Like, she had red hair, shocking red hair, and lots of makeup. Oh. Well, that's why she was... So popular are the vaudevillities. I saw somebody at church today who was, she'd had her hair recently colored and her eyebrows too. Mm -hmm. Um, She should have gone something a little bit lighter because it looked like she'd drawn it on with a magic marker. You Joan Crawford? Yeah. And then she blushed her cheeks and she was wearing a a face mask. So it was like the face mask and there was like two big rosy (laughs) circles above it. You know, and she's super, super sweet. But um, I mean, I really like her, but I just was like, wow, she... I, I'm, she really put it on today. I would have liked this story even better with one simple addition. If these weren't masks, if he actually was exchanging his head for different <laughs> Egyptian heads, <laughs> like Princess Languidier in Return to Oz. Okay, all right. Um, wouldn't that be cool? That would be like cool. Like just a cabinet full of heads, yeah. and he just swaps them out for whatever power he needs. Say... Would you like to hear about the Manhunter from Mars? Sure. John Jones. Jones. Uh, it really happens. On the track of the international criminal organization known as Vulture, the Manhunter from Mars, in his new role as a dashing playboy, faces swift defeat and doom at the hands of the sinister Solcar, following the, the unmasking, unmasking of, of Marco, Marco Xavier. Uh, as you recall... I don't. You don't. I swear. Because I, I, I read this and I thought, oh, this is a continuation of an earlier story about which I have no memory. Yeah, so uh, John Jones, who in his identity of Detective John Jones, mm-hmm. uh, was seemingly killed. Uh, and I think it had something to do with this criminal organization, Vulture. And so he assumed the identity of Marco Xavier, who also had presumably been killed. And I'm also don't remember. I'm making a lot of this up out of my head. Okay, cool. But uh, this was a definite, uh, I think this only happened like one issue ago. It was a definite change of uh, status quo for the Manhunter from Mars to try to make it more exciting. So does, at this point, in this period, mm-hmm. is he only appearing with in these Robbie uh, Dolly Trujillo comics? He is also appearing in Justice League of America. Okay, but yes, this is his only solo series appearance. Okay, okay. Uh, having moved over from Detective Comics, all right. Uh, and yes, I just looked up. He it, this just happened last issue that he. Uh, retired his John Jones identity and took off for the French Riviera to infiltrate Vulture in the guise of Marco Xavier. Gosh, I have no memory of this at all. Well, uh, it happened quite a few months ago in our time because this comic was bi-monthly, I believe. Okay, okay. You're not to be blamed. Thank you. Maybe we should make just notes for each episode that we can study. 
Oh, okay. Why don't you do that for me? Okay. Thanks. Uh, so on the splash page, uh, famous portly actor Victor Buono <laughs> is looking at a screen where he seemingly has discovered that the Manhunter from Mars and Marco Xavier are one and the same. This is what I have a problem with if, in his thought bubble. Uh-huh. He's saying, so Marco Xavier is actually a Manhunter, and obviously he lacks Martian powers in this form. Why should that be? It He's shouldn't, and it's not. presumptions there. Uh, because he used his Martian powers to become Marco Xavier. That's one of his powers, is to shapeshift. And he certainly retains all the other powers that he has. So I have to tell you something. Mm -hmm. This has never occurred to me before at all, ever, when reading comics. Yes. But this particular story has so many thought bubbles. And the French woman, when she speaks, hers has dotted lines, dashed lines around it. So I'm assuming that she's speaking in French to him and he understands her. Uh-huh. I started reading this. And instead of, like, you know how sometimes you're, you'll hear the words in your head, mm -hmm. right? I just started blanking out the words so that, like, someone would say something to somebody, and then when they're thinking in response, all they hear is just silence. Like, the <laughs> just, so, you know, it's it just like when somebody's talking to somebody else, and they, they, they say something statement, and the other, per, the, the other person's got this long reply I, in my head. I'm just hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, buried in the foothills of the Taurus Mountains in Turkey, uh, an abandoned shack shudders under the impact of the Martian Manhunter's thunderous blow. It seems there's two scientists missing, and Martian Manhunter's gotten a tip about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tip was that they were there being held by their captors, but that's obviously false because the shack is empty. Mm-hmm. He only now has a single clue. The girl seen with both scientists before they vanished, Marie Faucher, a pretty French chick, <laughs> whom, the, whom the late Marco Xavier uh, dated from time to time, according to his files. Shortly, near a rented cottage fronting the Gulf of Adalia, there's no such place, but there is a Gulf of At Ant Antalya. Okay. And... Uh, it's in Turkey, so I guess that's what they were going for. Mm -hmm. uh, the Martian Marvel transforms to his new identity, Marco Xavier, internationally famous playboy and mystery man of the jet set. Then, about to enter his cottage, Marco Xavier grasps, uh, gasps rather, in surprise at the sight of... Marie! Marie Foucher! Stop for a second. Yes? Look at her posture. She's a mess. She's got, first of all, like a 12-inch waist. Yes. And uh, very broad shoulders. And talons for fingers. Yes. And she's bent at a very queer angle. And she's got a little black hair bow like Rosemary. <laughs> I didn't even notice the black hair bow. She well, looks like she might have a back brace. And uh, an and, eating disorder. And an eating disorder, right. Um, uh, Nothing wrong with a back brace, but there's something... Or, you know, eating disorder, she should seek help, but... But she definitely looks all bent out of proportion. Yes. Like this. She Mustache! looks like... So you know how costume designers just make those, like, tall, willowy, thin... Yes. For their designs? That's what she looks like. Yes. A fashion designer sketch. A wraith. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, now, Marco puts on his act and says, How can I resist one so lovely? What's it all about, Marie? What's it all about, Marie? This is the first time it occurred to me when she goes, Oh, um, she goes, I have missed you. How desperately I need you. You will help me, mon cher. And then he has a thought, so it's like this. She goes, You will help me, mon cher. Because <laughs> he's How can I you. resist you? <laughs> um, she's come there for sex. What? Don't you think? It says they dated. She dated Marco Xavier. Oh. And she's coming to his private villa on the Gulf of Adalia. Well, she's desperate for something. She desperately needs to see a chiropractor. Before long, <laughs> deep in the Taurus Mountains. Surely they mean Tarsus Mountains. I don't think there's a such place as Taurus Mountains. Uh, she's got her own helicopter, by the way. 
and she's flying it straight into this cliff. <laughs> but to Marco's amazement, the mountain splits in half to allow the helicopter through. How it's do you suppose they did base. that? It's a secret base. Do, do you suppose the mountain actually moves or there's a sheet that's painted? Um, no, I think this being the Middle East, someone has gotten hold of Moses's staff and parted the mountains just why, like the Red Sea. Why didn't I think of that? I'm you are really, so clever. You know, you know so much about how the world works through comics. <laughs> I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I mean, that was literally my first thought. It's like, oh, Moses's staff is around. <laughs> uh, now, Marie is going to introduce Marco to her leader, Abbasulkar. Your leader, he says. Lulup. Yes. And your captor, Xavier, on behalf of Vulture. Seize him. And follow me. And then, in response, he goes... <laughs> As he's saying in his mind. Yes. Uh, so Marie is in league with these criminals. By playing along, I might get the chance to meet the top gun, the faceless Mr. V, and find out what happened to those scientists. But in the adjoining laboratory, all secret plans vanish from Marco's mind the very next instant when he is hit by a Bzzz. buzzing laser ray. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Butler just got up from the floor. Now, Marie has no idea what's going on because Abbasulkar has not explained anything to her. But it turns out this machine is absorbing every thought, every memory, which is being transferred from Marco Xavier's brain to this reel-to-reel tape. That is extraordinary powerful uh, uh, science. Well... To erase one's memory and store it to a tape? Let me tell you something. What? My father worked uh in computers mm-hmm. i'm gonna put computers in quotation marks um and he worked in what was an entire floor of an office building filled with these reel-to-reel tape mm-hmm. machines mm-hmm. The, it took the entire floor of reel-to-reel tape machines to run payroll for the company so i'm really skeptical that he is absorbing anyone's brains. He might have purchased it from Lex Luthor. That could be. As you know, he is a very advanced scientist, Lex Luthor, and criminal. Yes, but I would argue that if anyone was purchasing this equipment from Lex Luthor, it would be Lex Luthor in charge of the organization, not Mr. V. Fair, fair enough. Uh, so, memory is absorbed, throw him in the clink with the two scientists. After the tapes are completely processed, I shall restore their brains back to them, and they will never even suspect that I possess duplicate copies of everything stored in their brains. So I'm assuming that when they're tossed into the brink, uh-huh. they have no memory, no idea of who they are, no nothing, right? Right. So do they just walk around and bump into the walls? They could be. Yeah. The, I mean, how do they even have the memory of how to walk? I don't know. Uh, now, Sulkar gets on the horn to Mr. V, who, as you may recall, is a faceless blob. Now, I did remember that. Mm-hmm. So, in the communications room, he's talking to Mr. V and explains that he has, in addition to the two scientists, he also has Marco Xavier. What? You idiot! Do you not realize that Xavier has collaborated with Vulture many times and that we trust him? Yes, yes, I am aware of that. But you must realize that Xavier probably harbors many secrets he has not revealed to us. After all, he tells us only what he is paid for. Mm, True, but place his tape aside. I wish to scan it personally. Uh, Well, Sulkar is not going to cooperate because he's going to keep that tape for himself and play it his way. Which we read, but actually what, he's here, what, what, what you right. hear in the room is. So, uh, he goes back to the tape room. He sends Marie and his two thugs out of the room and watches this tape where he discovers that Marco Xavier is the Manhunter from Mars. And as Marco Xavier, he can be killed. Well, no. The great balls of fire exclamation is kind of weird. Yeah, that struck me too. Mm. Of course, American pop music uh, would have been transmitted all over the world, so he had probably heard the 
famous Jerry Lee Lewis song, of Great course. Balls of Fire. Sure. Ha ha! My stock with Mr. V will skyrocket when I report that I have destroyed the one and only Manhunter. But I, won't, I won't do the breathing trick again, but of course this is what happened yeah, in his mind. All, and, but it's mm-hmm. heavy breathing because he's running down the hallway. <laughs> and he's pudgy. It's like... Port- <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Marie is leading this zombie scientists out of their cage. Now, is this the first time? This is the first time her word bubbles appear in a dotted line. Oh, that's because she's whispering. <gasps> is that what that is? That's, yes. I thought we were seeing the, uh, the translation. Okay, so no, she's just, Quickly, that's... follow me, but do not litter. Do not utter, sorry. Do not utter a single word or make the tiniest sound. I, it's a nice that touch a that... horrible French accent. Okay. But it's a nice touch that quickly is spelled Q-U-E-E-C-K-L-Y. Yeah. Quickly. I wish I could learn to do a French. That's what I'm going to learn this summer, how to do a good French accent. Okay, okay. and I'll do, uh, what should I do, German? Yeah, you okay. work in a German accent. <clears throat> Scant moments later, she presses the reverse button and restores Marco Xavier's memories to him uh, and does the same for the scientists. And he doesn't understand. First you lure me here where I'm captured, and then you rescue me. I don't get it, little lady. She says, no time to explain one more. You must get out of here. Take the corridors as far as it goes. Then turn left. Then three rights. Then three lefts. And one right. (laughs) He does as she says and takes the opportunity to transform back to the Manhunter. So he doesn't really do what she says. He actually just leaves the room and turns into Martian Manhunter. Right. Yeah. Well, now he overhears uh, Sulkar has come for Marie and calls her a double-crosser. Uh, so he understands that she has restored the memories to Marco and to the scientist, and he raises his... Uh, I don't know what kind of <laughs> weapon this is, because this is the sound it makes. Psst, plap! Psst, plap! No. It's some kind of destructive ray weapon. It goes pissed plap. Pissed plap. Pissed plap. <laughs> Manhunter leaps in front of the beam, saving Marie. Uh, this is a nice, this is my favorite panel. When he, calls his, he calls his henchmen after them. Starker, Grossa. <laughs> Starker, Grossa is large. Yeah, it's big and strong. Oh, Starker. Big and strong. I mean, Starker is incorrectly spelled for German. But also, why are these guys German? They're in Turkey. Uh, And they're wearing Turkish outfits. Yes. Mm -hmm. Although one of them is blonde. So I guess we'll never know because Manhunter makes quick work of them. He sure does. Tosses them around like rag dolls and Mm -hmm. then tosses one of them into Sulkar before he can get off another mighty psst plap. (laughs) Psst plap. Look, even they hear it in the background. Suddenly, his weapon goes off, off panel, psst, plap. <laughs> he has accidentally turned the weapon on himself and he's been dis- disintegrated. Uh, he's like a pile of cat litter. Yeah. Or More like cat vomit. <laughs> uh, oh, I hate watching cats throw up. <laughs> dogs, they, you know, do- our dogs throw up. Pretty often, they love to eat grass in the in the walks in the morning. Uh-huh. They both take turns throwing up. You know, in the morning they go out and they eat their grass, and then by the they walk back and they they throw up. And but cats, you ever watched a cat throw up? Oh, oh, yeah. it makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tough, tough, tough. But that's what happens to nasty villains who play with disintegrator weapons. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> well, we've Splap. all learned an important life lesson. Thank you, Marshall. Splap. 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 <laughs> oh, that's oh funny. so the scientist minds have not been returned yet. <clears throat> so Marie's going to take care of that right now. Oh, yeah. They're just still standing around bumping into each other. That same evening on the moon-drenched terrace of Marco Xavier's seaside cottage, Marie... You still haven't explained your curious behavior in first baiting a trap for me, then springing me free. I can explain it easily, mon amour. You see, I was a double agent. My real chief is the head of the French Secret Service. So she went along with Sulkar, the hope of discovering the identity of Vulture's top man, Mr. V. 
but she didn't get very close to him. That She's got a single black bow on the side of her right head, and it's so low, it looks like it's always about to fall out of her hair. Well, it might be. A, I'm sure it's a clip. Still, it's awkward. Well, Isn't yes. it? Like, usually you would use a little bow like that to pull your hair back to the side and clip right. or something like that. It's yeah. just, and it's right almost at the bottom of her chin. Like, mm-hmm. like, like it's a little bat that's caught in her hair. Um, and also her face is too narrow to have that hairstyle. She should get that off of her neck. Yeah. Feature her neck a little better. She should. Yeah. Uh, it's lucky indeed that Manhunter came along. He saved my life. To which Marco Xavier replies. <laughs> Come to think of it, he saved mine too. <laughs> he just stares at her. Uh, he's staring at her because he's trying to look down her dress because they are 100% going to have, have relations yes, tonight. They are yes, totally. Martian Manhunter is going to have some fun with Marie because they are totally into each other. And they're drinking, and you know what that leads to. Yes. Dancing. Dancing. Um, well, I loved the Dial Age for Heroes story. Hell, I even like the Martian Manhunter story. I'm just so uncrazy about the artwork in these Martian Manhunter stories. Uh, it's, it's truly underwhelming. He has no muscle definition. And he's and one we, of the most powerful heroes on the planet. We see such excellent, excellent artwork from like Bob Kaniger, right? Uh, he's a writer. You're I'm talking sorry. about I'm, Joe Cooper. Yes, Joe, Joe Cooper. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, we, had a, we had an issue recently with some really exceptional, forward-thinking, revolutionary artwork and this is not it right uh he's like he skipped several leg days yeah obviously oh martian manhunter yeah yeah um he just looks like a glob of green goo and his boots how do they stay up right he's got these big pirate style boots folded over i don't get it don't they flap when he walks yeah yeah, like he couldn't go silently anywhere because you just hear flap, 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 yeah, psst, plap, psst, plap. <laughs> I love that sound. Um, well, that's Butler's, the end of this issue. Butler's doing his normal thing yes, again. He's I in the other room him. or on his back. He's rolling around the floor on his back and just loving life. Good. So maybe everyone will think those earlier noises were Butler and not my stomach growling. <laughs> um, well, that's it for House of Mystery number one sixty one. Yeah, I wonder what crazy adventures Robbie Reed will get into next year when we cover the next issue. Wait, coming up next week, it's uh, the return of the Space Canine Patrol agents in the pages of Superboy. What Space Canine Patrol agents? You don't remember? I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised I do actually. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. Tusky Husky. Yeah. uh, Cold Collie, that's not his name, I don't remember. I don't uh, Mammoth Mutt. Mammoth Mutt. Hot Dog. Wow. I made that up too. Uh, yeah. I do so remember that, yeah. be back here next week. You can Absolutely. find us on social media at Google Check Pod. You'll find us right back here next week. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your free podcasts from. And we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. I need the sunlight shining, shining out. I need to feel the warmth you bring, you bring to me, and make it shine, make it shine, make it bright again, make it nice, make it nice, make things right again, make it shine, make it shine, make it